This morning, our scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Again, we're hearing Jesus give the Sermon on the Mount. Today, we are at chapter 5, starting at verse 33. It's on the cover if you'd like to follow along. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, You shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, you consider where we've just been. Anger, murder, lust, adultery, and divorce. It's kind of a relief, isn't it, to hear Jesus talk about something that feels a little less triggering than some of those words. Uh, and it's true, they are less triggering, right? Certainly, if you hear those other words kind of can make you take a deep breath. We certainly had that last week. Uh, so hearing Jesus talk about oaths or uh, telling the truth or swearing, however you want to put it, feels less triggering. But here's, here's probably why it's less triggering. Uh, we may not all be people who end up divorced or committing adultery or murdering, let's hope. And so in a group of people, you might look at a few individuals, and they're the ones who kind of get pointed out, right? Those are the ones who did it, which that's actually the triggering thing, because you end up kind of having individuals that you can point to, and then they feel shame, and that kind of reverberates. Whereas this passage, even though it feels less important, it's the great equal opportunity offender of the Sermon on the Mount, because uh, consider... Consider the Ten Commandments that Jesus is basing his argument on. You shall not swear falsely. In other words, you shall not lie. And who doesn't have some point in their lives fibbed, right? You may not commit adultery. You may not commit murder. But you have probably lied <laughs> at some point. Uh, but Jesus doesn't leave it just at uh, that. He's also talking about taking the Lord's name in vain. Those are the two commandments that end up in here. So there's lying. And then there's also, you know, using God's name as a cuss word. Um, anyways, the point is, is that we all end up at some point in our lives probably committing these, uh, these, and we are all part of it, which, you know, in a group of people, we all end up giving each other a little bit of grace because it's like, I've been there. <laughs> Right? A little more empathy than the other ones. You know, when I was a kid, this particular passage, I realized, probably reflected two life lessons that my parents taught me. Uh, one was, don't take the Lord's name in vain. How many of you guys got that one growing up, right? Like, do not say God, do not say God, do not say Jesus, do not say hell, any of those kind of religious words, God's name, uh, the swear word. My mother, of course, would make sure that that also included all other cuss words, <laughs> right? Like down the list. It may not have been as offensive, but it was the same thing. Do not swear. She took quite literally, meaning all those other words, which I won't repeat. Uh, of course, you understand that those words 
probably are not even what Jesus is talking about. Not that we have to unlearn that lesson, but just that isn't what Jesus is talking about. The third one, though, that my mom taught me, and this one's funny because I've asked her about it before, and it's one of those moments where I have this all the time with her. She goes, I didn't teach you that, right? Like, I'm like, no, I have this memory of you teaching me or saying this to me, and she goes, I never said that. So I say before you this morning, if you go back to 1985 or something, and you have a 30-something-year-old woman and a five-year-old, which one probably has the better memory about what got taught, right? So I won't swear, but I'll, I will give my word that my mother taught me this one, okay? Here's the third one on the list. She taught me, you never put your hand on a Bible and swear by it unless you are in a court of law. Have you ever get that one? No, it must be a Midwest pietistic thing. She must have learned it from some old country preacher. But, and she would tell me, I never taught you that. I'm like, no, I remember very specifically you telling me that. We don't swear by uh, a Bible. And to my mother's credit, uh, she was the one who, that interpretation is probably the most accurate one of this passage. Uh, because you look at what Jesus is saying here, he, he's talking about lying, but he's also talking about the Lord's name in vain. And what was very common, it's not that uncommon for us either, was that people would, you know, if they really wanted to convince you they were telling the truth, they would say things like, I swear by heaven, or I swear by God, or I swear by Jerusalem, right? Put their hands up in the air kind of thing and say, I'm really, I promise you I'm telling the truth, which our equivalent would be, Put your hand on a Bible and say, no, I, I swear that I'm telling the truth. But what does Jesus say here about doing those things? He says, don't. And it may seem like it's a good idea, like you're like really emphatically saying, I am telling the truth. I swear I'm telling the truth. Why does Jesus say that this is a bad idea? Why does he say not to do it? He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So it's sort of like this. You're in a group of people, and you need, you're swearing that you're telling the truth. What happens if you don't have a Bible? Is that a permission slip to lie? What does it mean between people uh, if, if the only way you're ever sure that they're telling the truth is if they actually put their hands up and swear by heaven or Jerusalem or the Bible or something? What happens when it's not there? So what Jesus is saying is, you need to be the people of integrity, the people of authenticity as my disciples, that no matter what you say, you already have the reputation of somebody who tells the truth. That's the point here. Going, going farther than just saying, uh, sometimes I lie. No, you don't lie. You don't take the Lord's name in vain. You become a person of integrity and authenticity so that people believe your yes and people believe your no all the time, okay? So Linda Schulte got it right. She, that old country preacher that probably taught it to her actually interpreted this right. This is what Jesus is getting at in this idea of communication. When you are in a relationship with someone else, how do they know your yes is yes and your no is no? What does it take? So things like, you know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Things like uh, don't be somebody who's constantly kind of going to that extreme hyperbole place of using really strong language. And certainly, be somebody who always tells the truth so that your yes is yes and your no is no all the time. 
With that in mind, and I'm not uh, going to undo them, uh, but the idea there is, yes, Jesus is talking about how we all communicate and how we all create that space between us where we believe each other. So I'm going to add three of my own to my mom's list this morning, okay? Here are three things <clears throat> that as I've thought about and I've had this experience of being, a, being in ministry, I can tell you if you want people to think your yes is yes and your no is no, here are things you need to do, okay? Number one, do not make promises you can't keep, right? I learned this lesson for, in ministry almost immediately because I was a chaplain right away. And I think every chaplain supervisor that's teaching young chaplains how to do it, this is like lesson number one. Because this is what will happen when you're a chaplain. You'll walk into a room, random person, just saying hello. You'll get into a very nice conversation and you'll leave the room saying to them, I'll come see you later. But that's not how the hospital works ever, is it? It isn't. You walk into a hospital room, you say that, that person will get discharged. That's the good end of it. The bad end of it is that you as chaplain will get called to an actual emergency and you will never get back into that room. And so whatever space of trust you created with this patient in that first conversation gets undone with this one line, I'll be back to see you later. If you don't get back, it all kind of unravels from there. And I see a few of you nodding at this idea, so I'm sure that you've got some of your own experiences at this. Don't make promises you can't keep. And remember that for Jesus, the measure of righteousness that he's talked about is not just what's on the inside and not just what's on the outside, but it's a function of both. So you can have all the good intentions of saying yes to doing something, but if you don't actually follow through on it, right, the righteousness factor falls down. You become a person people can't trust. And by the way, I'm preaching to myself, right? My life is a smorgasbord of things I want to do. And then I give my word to him and say, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. And before you know it, there's not enough hours in the day. Something falls through the cracks. So don't make promises you can't keep. Even if it's good intentions. You don't want to be that person, and, and this represents me so well, jack of all trades, master of none. Because I'm doing this little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit, never get one thing truly accomplished that I said I would. All right, so there's number one. Number two is don't play games. And maybe the, the perfect line for this church is one of the lessons that I got taught when I walked in the door the first time. Uh, I, somebody said to me, be careful what you say, they're all related. Oh. <laughs> right? And maybe that's not exactly true, but it was, it was the point of, uh, if you have a private conversation with somebody, don't think that just because you've had that private conversation, it won't get back to the rest of everyone else because we're all interconnected in relationship. And that's actually one of the good things, but one of the downsides is don't think that you can do something in private, say something in private, and then not expect it to show up in the public space with each other, right? Don't play games with this stuff. Whatever you say in private will end up being in public. Ben Franklin said it well. He goes, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> yeah. Two, three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead. And again, again, righteousness factor. 
you may have this very good intention of, I need to sit down and have this conversation with somebody. I need to vent. I need to let it out. Okay, that's really true. But you understand that it could always end up out there with the rest of the community somehow. And the point there is, is not to shut yourself down and never talk, but just be aware that when you're having the one-on-one -on -one conversation, the private one, your yes there has to be yes in public, and your no there has to be no in public as well. There has to be that integrity of who you are in private is who you are in public. Probably the one, the, and that, that of course is the side of it where people are doing it unintentionally, right? It, just, they're having one conversation that leads into another. I've also seen Christians do the very insidious thing, though, of where they will have a private conversation and their very intention is to get the other person to go do their work for them. Do you know what I mean? You have a private conversation. You, I'll tell this person that. Then I can back out and they can carry the message into the public space. Guess what happens to the person that you get sent to do the work for you? What they feel like by the end of that? Puppet, right? You feel like your strings are getting pulled and the community recognizes at some point somebody's strings are getting pulled. The, the evidence of this would be that thing where uh, you're in a group, you're at church, you're talking to other folks and someone's voice is in the back of your head to the extent that you're afraid to say or do anything outside of what that voice wants you to do. Someone's got your strings. So don't play games. If you have something to say in a private conversation, you're going to have to be the one who shows up in public and says it as well. That's the uh, integrity and the authenticity here. The third one I have this morning, last one. This one comes with a movie reference. How many of you have ever seen a Shakespeare in Love? Uh, this is a great romantic comedy. It's, a, it's about Elizabethan England, and so the character of Shakespeare is in it. But there's this other character. Uh, think of a mid-level bureaucrat. He works for the queen, Queen uh, Victoria, and he's running around. Wherever he goes, he goes, in the name of the queen, in the name of the queen, in the name of the queen, right? He just The whole movie, he's running around going, in the name of the queen. So in one of the final last scenes, he's got his back to the royal carriage that has just pulled up at the theater. And he's doing his thing, in the name of the queen! Guess what, the royal carriage pulls up, the door opens, Queen Victoria walks, or Queen Elizabeth, sorry, it's probably Queen Elizabeth. She walks, she steps out of the carriage and she goes, have a care with my name or you'll wear it out. And that's the third one, because it's true for God as well. Have a care with my name or you'll wear it out. What's at stake in taking the Lord's name in vain? It always comes back to you are supposed to be the light of the world, you're supposed to be the salt of the earth, you are supposed to be the ambassadors for Christ. And so if you are out there in every way, all the time, go, not just saying this is my opinion, but in the name of God, in the name of God, in the name of God, have a care or you'll wear it out. So those are the three, three ways that I can think of that just in that communication thing where you want to have integrity and authenticity with other people, you need to have the integrity of not making promises you can't keep, not playing games in that relationship stuff between the private and the public, 
have the authenticity wherever you go, and have the humility to recognize the difference between what is your opinion and what God's opinion might be. That will help you on the way of being this authentic person of integrity that Jesus is calling his disciples to be. In closing, though, um, you know, I, I've, I've pivoted everything I've said this morning to us reflecting upon ourselves and our own behavior. But I'm also reminded of Jesus saying to us, be wise as snakes and gentle as doves. So in closing, I just want to make sure that you're also paying attention to this is a communication thing, this is a relationship thing. Be aware of who you're in relationship with as well, because other people have been called to these same things, and we're all part of getting it wrong. So think about it backwards. If you have somebody in your life who is constantly throwing their hands up, going, God wants this, God wants that, I know it, I have the truth, God told me. Who are you dealing with? If you have that voice in the back of your head of somebody whose opinion, <clears throat> his opinion manages to control you the next time you're trying to have an opinion, who are you dealing with? <laughs> I was just going to say the puppet master, but okay. Some kind of puppet master in your life. And finally, if you have somebody in your life who constantly says, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, and then doesn't get it done, who are you dealing with? Remember, we, who we are never changes. We are always called to be the salt, the light, the ambassadors for Christ. We are always a people of forgiveness and grace towards them. It doesn't change. None of what they do changes who Christ calls us to be. But wise like snakes, gentle as doves, recognize the other people in your community when they are also failing to get this one right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for your sending your son Jesus into the world. Thank you for him putting before us the standard of how we are to communicate and to be with each other. God, may our yes be yes and our no be no. May we be people of integrity, people of authenticity, who do not lie, who do not take your name in vain, who do not wear out your name, but instead humbly with authenticity and integrity walk through this life as the people you call us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let us sing our final hymn this morning. It's Let There Be Peace on Earth.